Oh, need new tire because the wall not. They need to. Oh God. <laughs> wow, this is happening in real time. As in we real record. time. Wow. Need new tire. Live updates. Is, Do we have streaming in, rights for this? I don't know. It's in the wall, not tread. They need to order. We'll be here tomorrow or Saturday putting on spare. Then on top of that, is he eating, getting ready? That's my son who's supposed to go start his first day of work today. Mm. Uh, but he also has a 99.7 temperature, I was just informed. So you deal with it. Mm. I am podcasting. Uh-huh, yes. Sorry. Love you, exclamation point. I think that should cover <laughs> me, right? Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Sounds like you could use a vacation right now. Eric. <laughs> yes. I am so much better at vacationing than I am real life. Hmm. I mean, you're you're not bad at real life. I wanna I wanna make that clear. You don't, uh, from what the extent that I know you, you don't suck at real life. So that must mean you are just I'm, kick ass at vacationing. I I I could be a professional vacationer. Boy, it's a shame you weren't just born into a super rich family and didn't Ugh. have to work all your life. If you had been born as Paris Hilton, you would have killed it. I'd be so I Eric, I would be so fucking good at it. I'm not I'm not even kidding. Right. I'd be so good at it. I I would there would be charitable stuff, you know, every okay. once in a while. All right. But there would be a lot of just like, you know, boating. I'd be on a boat a lot, you know, like with sunglasses on. Right. Um, <laughs> Here's the problem I see. Yeah. I don't know whether simply being born into all that money would have prevented you from being the neurotic person that you can be and whether you would have been stressed anyway about just like, am I, am I doing enough with my life? You know, could you, yeah. could you really sit back, relax and enjoy that lifestyle? Maybe, maybe you're right. I mean, I think maybe, you know, after a lifetime of like working for a living, maybe I could appreciate not doing anything more, but right. I've come to the realization and I, I, there's probably, I'm probably missing a few things here, but basically if, unless you're saving lives or like feeding people, Mm -hmm. whatever you do for a living is pretty fucking useless. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. it's like, There's a, there is an overwhelming emptiness for most of us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's going to be empty anyway, might as well do it on a yacht. Gamble on fellas. Gamble <laughs> on. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, US Bets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein, back rested and refreshed after two weeks of nonstop partying. This week on the show, lots to dig into as the sportsbook consolidation continues with a massive Friday news dump from WinBet. We have college kids allegedly betting against their own team. And one of the world's most famous sports bettors is ratting out one of the world's most famous golfers. Plenty of drama of late in our industry. And I'm sorry to say, Jeff, that you're no longer allowed to be blissfully unaware. <laughs> yeah, I was very, I was blissfully unaware. Uh, boy, oh boy, do I miss vacation. Uh, <laughs> all right. We're also going to be welcoming uh, the first time to the podcast, Dave Damashek. Uh, he's a writer. He's a podcaster. He's an on-air talent. He's an all-around great guy. He's going to talk about the Steelers, the industry at large, and why John Hamm is a total prick. But first, <laughs> let's get to the news. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. The 
Before we get into our three big news items of the week, you missed out on one of the biggest news stories of, well, the whole post-PASPA era, uh, the announcement of Penn Entertainment dumping Barstool and paying big money to partner with ESPN for an ESPN bet sports book that'll launch this fall. So, Jeff, uh, the floor is yours to share some quick thoughts with the Gamble On audience. All right. Thank you, Eric. Uh, yeah, pretty big story there that I missed. Uh, of <laughs> course, uh, I was not happy about missing it. But all right. My quick thoughts. All right. A few things. Number one, why, honestly, why is Penn going down this road again? Clearly, they have convinced themselves that a major media partner is the way to get this done, as a way to, like, become big. But what if ESPN doesn't work out? I mean, where do they go next? Disney is the second largest media company in the world behind Apple. So, I mean, you know, Apple bet, that does have a, that's got a fucking great ring to it, doesn't it? (laughs) Just say it. Say it out loud. Apple bet, yeah. Apple Uh bet. It sounds like Oh no! I almost said it sounds like Apple bits, and then I realized my Alpha, in my right. in my in my addled brain, I was yeah transfer trans uh, trans somethinging two things sure. Alpha bits and Apple bits, whatever. Uh, sure, it's got a ring. Yes, but yeah, Apple bet has a nice ring to it. So if this doesn't work out, there's nowhere else to go. Is what I'm saying. So I mean, it, it, I, it's a pretty big gamble. Uh, also, let's talk about Portnoy for a second. I got a story coming today. I think. Mm. I mean, this guy did this guy run hot or what? I mean. <laughs> As a result, he has there's I you know I have no choice but he's rocketing up my favorite Jew list right now just rocketing. Uh, I could say that I'm Jewish. You know I have a, I have a list. I keep a list of my favorite Jews. He's, he's, Do you? He's ru- oh yeah. Huh. Do you I, think you is know. he is he going to crack the next version of the Sandler Hanukkah song? Mm, I well I don't I you know maybe maybe not. But I I, I think I've mentioned my top five Jews. Uh, the Beastie Boys, Sandy Koufax, David Lee Roth, and then you know we can talk from there. Um, <laughs> Okay, I'm not. I'm not sure any of them are cracking my top five, but I don't have a formal list, so uh, we'll, right. well, we'll, we'll save that for another time. It's, it should be honestly, it should be its own separate podcast series. Uh, Eric and Jeff's favorite Jews. <laughs> um, uh, lastly, about this, Penn is saying they're aiming for a twenty percent market share. You know, with ESPN bet. Uh, sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That 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 was one thing uh, that uh, Bennett Conlon and I uh, agreed on last week. Twenty percent, <laughs> nope, uh, not not happening. You know, that's not going to be es- easy, especially not in the three year window that they're uh, yeah. that they're giving themselves to hit it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so our top news story this week is not quite as big a news item as ESPN bet, but it's still pretty damn huge. WinBet is exiting eight states. Uh, Win Resorts announced last Friday afternoon the exact point in the week at which companies typically strive to share bad news. The online sportsbook plans to leave Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and West Virginia at unspecified dates. WinBet will remain up in Nevada and Massachusetts, two states where Win has retail sportsbooks, and its status in both New York and Michigan is, quote, under review. So WinBet is not shut down, a la FoxBet, Fubo, etc., but its footprint is getting a lot smaller. What went wrong for WinBet? It failed to gain big handle traction anywhere. Its hold was unusually small in most states compared to pretty much all competitors. And it seemed the company was waiting for online casino to spread to more states and found itself running out of time and patience for that to happen. This does open up possible license opportunities for other sports books in some states, particularly Arizona, where Fanatics is believed to be looking for a way in, and New York, if Win does exit there, a state where ESPN Bet is not currently situated to get a license. So, Jeff, lot to digest here from the rapid rate at which sports books seem to be giving up to the whole iCasino angle. 
what stands out to you here? Well, I, you know, I'm sad to see Winbeck go. Um, they were doing some pretty cool things. Like one thing that really stuck out, I, I think I wrote about it last year. Uh, they had live feeds on Twitter of, you know, of, of their, you know, back end, you know, the bookmakers, you know, setting and originating NBA lines. Mm. Right. Uh, it was fascinating uh, watching it and watching lines get originated. I'm sure that people smarter than me were able to take advantage uh, of that. But it was just cool watching the sausage get made a little bit, you know. Um, but I mean, truthfully, I never really used the app. I, you know, I had a bear of a time the first time I used them of trying to withdraw my money. You know, they need a driver's license, you know, proof of life, you know, firstborn's <laughs> blood type. You know, it, it got it got a little crazy. Um, so, you know, in New Jersey, you know, where there's like, you know, like two dozen or whatever sports books, you know, they definitely got lost in the shuffle. Um, as for the idea of this iCasino angle where it's, you know, these smaller sports books, you know, waiting for iCasino to legalize everywhere in order, you know, I, it's a moneymaker, obviously, where they could like, right. you know, the sports book could like run on its, you know, coattails. You know, uh, if you're waiting for it, uh, sports books, you know, you might want to get a pillow and a blanket. Um, it, it's going to be a minute. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I think people thought that that would have been further along at this point than than it is. And that now uh, does does the cliche the rubber hits the road apply here? If so, I think the rubber is hitting the road on this. I don't know. I may I may be totally uh, misused. No, I think I think we could go with rubber hitting the road. Okay. Be, I mean, but, you know, on top of it, be, you know, beyond the I casino angle is like I, I really I mean, I don't think. Well, listen. Very few people, if any, saw that FanDuel and DraftKings were going to be the dominant forces here. You know, I right. think the general consensus was the existing casinos were going to be the, the dominant forces. Clearly, looking back with hindsight, obviously, the two companies that had DFS players like in their database were going to like, like that's a, hu- right. a huge makes, advantage. Makes a lot of sense now, yeah. But even, even with that, I don't think anyone would have thought that any two companies at any, that you know, any two companies would have had like three quarters of the market share. Right. You know what I mean? So, I mean, the, the pie is just, it's small. Yeah. And so I, I saw a note in the EKG line today that, that maybe this will provide a small bump to BetMGM and Caesars that they would absorb some of the win clientele. I don't know. I, I'm not sure at this point that there are really very many online sports bettors who are choosing based on I want to bet with a trusted brick and mortar casino brand. That's very yeah. 2018 kind of thinking as, as far as uh, the direction that, that people will go. Um, a few other thoughts on this. Uh, the, the New York license situation will be very interesting since one imagines that ESPN bet wants in there and one imagines that Penn's failure to get one of the licenses in the original try had something to do with the barstool name and reputation. It certainly wasn't helping them. So that could prove a huge development off this news if Wynn exits New York and ESPN bet enters. Um, the other thing is that they, I was looking at the the hold numbers for WinBet that were uh, reported in our story on Sports Handle. They were just so insanely low, maybe not compared to how we were told sports betting was supposed to go a few years ago, but but compared to the current climate where books are crushing for, for double-digit holds, thanks largely to the parlay craze, WinBet has been below 6% hold in almost every state it's in, uh, 5.34% in Arizona, where BetMGM and FanDuel are both in the high nines, 5.23% in New York, where FanDuel's at a staggering 11.1%. That's a stunning gulf. Um, I get, you know, I wonder if it is because they do originate some lines. 
I, I guess it has something to do, that, do with that, something to do with them not pushing parlays as hard as everybody yeah, else. That's probably true. Um, and I guess I'll say that the, you know, the exit is bad news for some win bet customers. I, it seems some of them were doing pretty well against yeah, the book. Yeah, so, yeah. um, and you know, the, the, the Friday news dump dump timing of it all was predictable in retrospect, but otherwise it's a, it's very weird timing wise that, they would give up right before football season, and they would give up just a week after they migrated to a new app in six of those eight states they're leaving. That's that's pretty nuts. I have found, generally speaking, that a lot of these sports books are pretty lousy when it comes to like uh, making these decisions. Like right. Penn, for example, comes to mind of like mm-hmm. you know dumping all this money into Barstool and then like just giving it away. Uh, I remember another sports book like you know doing something big and then like a week later being like ah fuck it you know right. <laughs> Yeah, that's that seems to be the uh, if if there's one trend to take away from this, it's that sports books are very quick to say, ah, fuck it these days. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, we go from one very popular gamble on news topic in 2023 sports book consolidation to another one athletes betting on sports. We all know about the numerous violations at University of Iowa and Iowa State. We talked a few weeks ago about the Iowa State quarterback Hunter Deckers getting suspended and facing criminal charges. Last Thursday, new details about other players came out, and the big one is that Iowa State defensive tackle Isaiah Lee allegedly bet against his own team in 2021. He's accused of placing 26 bets on 12 of his team's games, but the one that stands out is an alleged bet on Texas to beat Iowa State as a seven-point underdog. If by chance Lee tanked the game, it didn't make an impact as Iowa State won 30-7. Regardless, the wager itself has to be the most obviously bad decision any athlete has made yet that we know about. Jeff, how shocked were you to learn this happened? Or is it not surprising that at least one college football player could be this stupid? Uh, And bigger picture, do you see this problem with college athletes getting caught betting left and right diminishing in the wake of all these suspensions? Oh, as an adjunct college professor myself, no, I'm not surprised that a college student could be so stupid. Um, I don't know. What's worrisome to me here is that I'm willing to bet, har, 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 that this is obviously a bigger problem outside of Iowa as well. Not necessarily people betting against their own team, but just the betting in general. Um, Hey, here's an idea. NCAA should allow their athletes who are of age to bet legally. You know, whoa, what a concept, you know? And no, I don't. Th- I, I mean, do I think there's going to be d- diminishing? No, I, I mean, there's what did uh, didn't, what's his Baker come out a few weeks ago and say that there's, you know, three, six, eight dozen investigations going on right now? Yeah, there are still some going on right now. But I guess I'm saying like betting post all of this news, will it will it subside to some no. extent? No? no. All right. I'll take I'll take the other side on, on that one. Um, I. I said this regarding NFL players betting, uh, and and so I'll hold firm on that stance regarding college players as well. That that this massive, highly publicized wave of players getting caught, getting suspended, and in some cases getting criminally charged will serve as a, as a big wake up call. And I don't think we'll see a major wave like this again anytime soon. Now, obviously, no, I, obviously it's not the end of. They're going to be smart. You have you have teenagers, right? Uh-huh. I like my son. Every time I do something like to try to block Snapchat or something, he finds some fucking way around it. 
You know what I mean? Right. These kids, if, if you're an 18 year old kid who wants to bet whether you're an athlete or not, you're going to think that you can outsmart whatever mm. it is you can. And in most cases, you will be able to because you're in college. These guys have friends. They have girlfriends. If they want to you know, put money down on Marquette minus eight, they're going to find somebody who's going to do it for them. I, you know what I mean? Yes, I get what you're saying. But so many of these kids who've been caught in this wave were caught betting using other people to bet for them whether it was you know the particular ones that caught people's attention was a couple of couple of players moms placing their bets for them right and yeah maybe that's especially dumb to do it through someone who has the same last name as you and maybe it's a little harder to get caught if you do it through your buddy but i kind of think that this is i mean certainly it'll bring awareness to the rules and and they'll get they'll get a talking to in every college locker room about what the rules are that maybe didn't happen in previous years. But, but the bigger thing is I think these kids are going to develop an awareness that you can get caught if you're having someone else place your bets for you. I'm sure you're right that the great majority are not getting caught, but I don't know. I, I think that they should understand now that that's not as foolproof a method for slipping under the radar as, as they thought. And I think we're going to see a lot of these college kids scared into just not doing it. But maybe maybe I'm overestimating the self-control of college kids. I, I think the chief difference here is that you have teenagers who are good. <laughs> I have teenagers who are hellions. That, 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 that is probably part of it, yeah. I think that is the chief difference. Okay. Um, we finished this week with another athlete betting on sports story. The athlete is six-time golf major winner Phil Mickelson, whose gambling predilection has been somewhat well-documented already but is now getting much more well-documented with the forthcoming release of a new book by sports betting great Billy Walters. An excerpt from the book was published last week, and in it, Walters claimed Mickelson tried to wager $400,000 through Walters on the U.S. to win the 2012 Ryder Cup, an event Phil was competing in, and that Mickelson's total sports betting handle over some three decades was over a billion dollars and that he lost about $100 million. According to Walters, the two began a sports betting partnership in 2010, in part because Phil had higher limits than Walters and could get bigger bets down for Billy. Uh, Walters was, was at Bet Bash in Las Vegas last week, uh, getting inducted into the Sports Betting Hall of Fame. But this book excerpt got a wee bit more attention than his Hall of Fame induction. Jeff, what's your level of interest in reading the Walters book? How damaging is this stuff to Mickelson's reputation? And where are you currently on the sadness scale about missing Bet Bash? Well, I'll tell you, let's talk about Bet Bash real quick. I mean, it is quickly and easily becoming the singular event for not bullshit uh, when it comes to this industry. Mm. You know, I mean, this, it, it's a who's who of the gambling world. Uh, you know, the the operators, they, they really, you know, the you know most of them aren't coming to Circa, you know, but like they should be because this is where it's at. I, I bet this thing doubles in size next year. I mean, I think people, I think a lot of people are on the fence about going this year. They're, they're going to go. So uh, go Spanky, man. The guy, this this guy, you know, he's going to be a Hall of Famer out there one day for sure. Um, uh, as far as the book goes, yeah, my interest in reading is, you know, off the charts. But I'm sure I won't have to read it because all the juicy bits are going to come pouring out right. in articles, right? But I'll, I'll read it eventually. But yeah, you know, I, I, am I, am I, who's assigned to reading it for us? Is that, is that Bennett's department? Um, I, I think either Bennett. He looks the smartest. (laughs) Yeah, he probably is the smartest, but yeah, yeah, Bennett and, or, uh, Matt Rybaltowski, the, the two of them, I feel like have both spoken up showing an interest in this book. So yeah, one of them will probably handle it for official purposes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll I'll download that, but yeah, I'll, I'll read it. Um, as for Mickelson's reputation, I don't think the guy gives two shits about his reputation. <laughs> no. I mean, 
that, I think that's been clear. Um, and yeah, when it comes to betting on oneself, you know, as Walters accused Mickelson of trying to do, and Mickelson hasn't exactly issued a full throw denial of it. Right. Uh, I mean, at least he wanted to bet on himself to win. You know, not great, but better. You know, right. and I don't know. Like, I, I'm I'm a lot less off put off put. Am I put off? Not. Put off. I'm a lot less put off <laughs> by. For some reason, like golfers are betting on themselves all the time. Like, I mean, that's what golf is. Like, right, right. You know, uh, so I don't know. I'm not there. Somehow, some way, they should probably figure out a way to let golfers bet on themselves legally. Like, that might make it even. That might make it a lot more fun, honestly, to watch. I might not fall asleep during the podcast I listen to. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, as I believe I've mentioned, I, I hardly read books anymore. Um, yeah. When my close friends write books, uh, which usually means boxing books by boxing writers I'm longtime friends with, I read those. But that's just about it. it. It's honestly been a few years since I read a full book by anyone I wasn't personal friends with. And I am not personal friends with Billy Walters. Right. Ergo. I doubt I'll be reading his book. There, there are just too many podcasts to listen to rather than than spending my time reading. And and importantly, I can listen to podcasts and play Poker Stars Spin and Goes at the same time, right. whereas I can't read books and play Spin and Goes simultaneously. So no, that read, really reading dictates. reading does demand. See, but it's interesting. I love to read because I love. You know what? Like legitimately, and I I wish I had more time to do it because I love. It's like the only time in my life that I have no anxiety. Like I, you know, okay. I'm like totally, right. I'm totally into the book. You know, I'm right. into that world. Right. And uh, yeah, I just, it's, it's, it's almost like a, uh, like a drug for me. You know. Right. So I, I, I could see I that. It. I've been making this excuse for some 25 years or so, and I don't know how honest it is, but I like to say that because I spend my whole day reading, yeah. reading and editing, and so yeah, maybe no, it's it. a little different for you in that in that you don't do the editing, you're just doing the writing. So that that's the excuse that I trot out. I read all, I read and edit all day. I don't want to read right. in my free time, yeah. but I don't know how true that is. I may just not love reading. Um, you don't love reading. That's, right. It's okay. Um, as for Mickelson, uh, I I think his reputation didn't have much more room to go downward. <laughs> like I I don't follow golf too closely, but I feel like he's been a heel for a while, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like a popular heel. Like he's very NWO or Degeneration X, whatever. But still, he's a heel and uh, certainly joining the Live Tour locked him yeah. in as one of the bad guys. So I I hesitate he's... to make a, a Trump comparison. But ju- just I, I was going to just... say the same thing. Okay, all right. So yeah. yeah, conceptually, there's a certain point at which no new indictment is moving the needle on his reputation. Right. You're, you're, exactly. Everyone's you locked love, in. You love him or hate him, right. Right, exactly. 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 So not quite as extreme with Mickelson, but yeah, I don't think anyone's jumping ship just because they read the excerpt from Billy Walters' book. Either you jump ship already or, or you're not gonna. Um, but the numbers sure are eye-catching. Um, and good for Phil Mickelson, I guess, that he can lose $100 million betting right. on sports and be okay financially. Um, you know, for any New York Times uh, reporters or Washington Post reporters listening right now, or Slate, or any, any, any you know, uh-huh. uh, Atlantic, any high here here's my challenge for you, because I'd love to read this article. Go find me three or five people in America of voting age who are like, eh, I'm not sure about Trump. <laughs> I, I, I see, I'm not even kidding. I'd love to read that story. Find me people who are like on the fence on whether or not they 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 like think Trump is good or bad. Yeah, I'd, I'd be fascinating to read. Yeah, I mean, you're you're the only one I know. You're still on the fence, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. I I, I it's oh the fucking guy. Yeah, right. Don't whatever. don't tell us which side of the fence you're on because you're going to alienate no. half the audience. No, let's, no. Let's leave I it just, a mystery. All right. It, yeah, big mystery. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I mean, I listen. It's it's uh, what what a time. Time. More more important topic to wrap up this segment on next year. Are you going to tell your wife that you're not planning your summer vacation until you know the bet bash dates? 
you know, maybe. But I mean, my my vacation time, like the two weeks I took, it like literally were the only two weeks in a row that my daughter didn't have, you know, uh, summer school, summer school, or my son wasn't in this camp, or you know, my wife's job. You know, it it was the only two weeks span. So I just bet bash make the make um, it might i mean like i given the choice between like going to bet bash and moving my vacation around i would choose moving my vacation around right but that also means but that you I, may uh, not have a choice the vacation may have to be right. what it has to be so so really the move right now is to reach out to spanky and say if possible don't schedule bet bash for these two weeks yeah and also like you guys have to agree to send me to bet bash which means i that i'd explain to my wife that this is a business trip solely mm-hmm. and not a you know not a fun trip because I would have I would not be allowed to have fun on a business trip. <laughs> right, of course not. Right. right, all right, just to be clear. Okay. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. This week's podcast interview promises to be, as the man I'm about to introduce might say, a thin slice of heaven. He's a co-host of Minus Three and of Extra Points on Cousin Sal's podcast network. He's worked in the past for NFL Network, Jimmy Kimmel Live, and too many other TV shows, radio shows, and podcasts to possibly list. He is the sole arbiter of the highly prestigious annual Shecky Awards. Dave Damashek, welcome to Gamble On. How are we, fellas? Wait, you don't even have to answer. Let's just cut to the chase. I know we're all over the moon. Football is here, so let's get to it. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, speaking of football beginning, your beloved Steelers, let's talk about them. They've never gone under 500 in, in the Tomlin era. They have a win total at the sports books of eight and a half. They are daring people to bet on this to be the year they finally go under 500. How optimistic or pessimistic are you entering this season? And would you make a case that the AFC North is football's best division this year? Well, first of all, with my optimism for the Steelers, it's it's uh, I'm not going to hide it. It's high. Uh, the thing that I find vexing slightly is that in the last, I don't know, two to six weeks, every national voice has pronounced like no one else is talking about the Steelers. But I am here to tell you that they're going to be good. Like, if everybody is in on the Steelers, then they do not count as a sleeper or under the radar. And yet one voice after the other keeps announcing like, hey, they're a sneaky good play. There's nothing sneaky about the Steelers at this point. They are clearly intent in terms of personnel, what they brought in in the last two years. I'm playing what you just saw the Philadelphia Eagles do a year ago, which is bully ball. They're going to try to beat you up. That's the winning method. If you don't have Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, uh, Burrow, then you have to go with just might is right, or at least attempt to see if it's right. Um, so, yeah, so I'm very excited about the, what these Steelers might do. I get the concern about, you know, where Kenny Pickett's going to land in the QB league, where he is in that hierarchy. But on his rookie deal, as loaded up as the rest of the roster is, I I, I really am very confident that they are going to transcend that eight and a half. And, you know, three months ago, you could have gotten it at even money. Obviously, it's now um, it, it's usually it's not as much of a value there. And I, I, I've seen it at nine in places as well. Mm. Either way, they're getting the double-digit wins, and you can get that at around plus 120, I believe I I, I just saw. And if you want to really not just survive but live 
with uh, <laughs> with these Pittsburgh Steelers in 2023 uh, down the way here in autumn. You can go up to 11 wins at plus 230. Mm. I'm very tempted. I really do li- like the way the schedule kind of lays out. And, and, you know, I know now it's become kind of rote to point out, but, you know, Tomlin and company getting over um, the last year and having a winning record once again um, happened with that rookie quarterback and TJ Watt, one of the five best non QBs in pro football on the shelf for half the year. And they got to nine. Then I get that. It's a little more rugged in the division and, and out in the AFC. But do you really think that this same team with TJ Watt presumably healthy or hopefully healthy for the bulk of the season? Um, and I te- Kenny Pickett one year uh, wiser. Do you really think this team is not going to get to nine wins at least? So to answer the question you asked about 17 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> yes, I, 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 I really am not wringing my hands with concern that uh, that the Steelers are going to get to at minimum nine. And like I already said, I think double digits is also not just realistic, but but I'm certain that's going to happen. It's just a matter of, are they going to get to 11? Can they get to 12? Can they really take a run at the Cincy Bengals? So who do you, who do you think is going to underperform as a result? You know, I get the, the Deshaun Watson um, cynicism. I think um, people have every right to be rooting against them um, because of the Deshaun Watson deal that they made a year ago. He didn't look great a year ago, but I'm telling you the one that I'm circling is the Baltimore Ravens. I know people are excited about Zay Flowers and, you know, I, I've said it a million times and I'll say it for the million and first. If you're watching training camp tape, it's one thing to watch the preseason games. That's a canard. That is pro football's version of Civil War reenactments. They only look real. <laughs> they're wearing the uniforms, you understand. They look up, but they're a little differences like QBs wearing number 50. Uh <laughs> It ain't it ain't quite right. Don't try and extract stuff from those. What you want watching preseason games is to not see people get hurt. That's that's the goal. Um, and we've gotten even crazier. We haven't we we haven't um, become a little more sober. In fact, we're getting even drunker as we go along now. Watching clips from training camp. I mean, this is what Howard. She's a flower. She's uncoverable in Ravenwood. Okay, great. I mean, if you are a Zay Flowers advocate, then you should be pointing to what you saw him do in college, not what you saw him doing in practice one day. Either way, faith that this offense is going to be good because of a rookie slot receiver being added along with the Odell Beckham, who's played roughly half the available games in his career. I get there, there, there are reasons to be excited about the Ravens this year, the Lamar Jackson melodrama in the rearview mirror and all that, but it is going to be a practical adjustment for him and everybody else making this big leap to a brand new offense. And in the meantime, the Ravens defense isn't going to be garbage, but it's not going to be at the standard. It typically is. You generally think of certain teams as like, well, one thing we know about blank team is Ravens usually have a pretty sturdy defense. It could be a liability this year. And if you if you saw um, at the time of this recording, Marlon Humphrey is now having foot surgery and it's unclear how long he's going to be down. You know, if he misses a couple of weeks, no matter if he misses six weeks matter. So, you know, they're, they're, they're a little bit light 
at corner specifically already. And so they can't afford to take a loss there, especially when they have to play teams like go at the Bengals have at pass catcher and what Pittsburgh has it. And I guess even Cleveland at this point might be dangerous in the passing mm-hmm. game. So I think the Ravens are the team that falls back. You know, somebody has to, you know, that's, that's the thing. If you look at individual teams, you can talk yourself into almost any one of them making a playoff run aside from the Arizona Cardinals reasonably like, Tampa, like Tampa's not going to make the playoffs. Arizona's not going to make the playoffs. Probably Houston won't. Probably the Colts won't. But really, take a take a look around. I mean, how many teams definitely can you say, oh, they're going to be garbage this year? Yeah. Not very many. And in the AFC, I, I submit this is the most challenging group of teams, top to bottom, that we've seen in the Super Bowl era in one conference. I mean, there have been some top-heavy ones. I remember... Farf's Packers and Aikman's Cowboys and Steve Young's Niners, uh, you know, trying to figure things out amongst themselves in the 90s. And in the 70s, you had the Dolphins, Steelers, Raiders, you know, Oilers, Patriots, uh, so on and so forth. But I mean, top to bottom, they're like one or two kind of bad rosters in the AFC. Otherwise, I could see almost any team being competitive and then still at the top of the mountain, you have the Chiefs. So it's somebody by law. If they play all 17 games, by math, somebody's going to finish in fourth place in every one of those divisions. And so you have to assign it to somebody, and I'm circling the Baltimore Ravens to be bringing up the rear in the north this year. You know, uh, everyone thinks that their fantasy football league is the best fantasy football league in America. Uh, you know, for instance, I know mine is. We've been doing it since 1986. 12-team wow. super, yeah, super flex. No defense, but we do have a kicker. Um, but so let me ask you, what makes your – fantasy football league the best and why is it that crazy fucking rule and related what's it like to get shit canned by don draper last thing first it stinks he's a hollywood phony (laughs) (laughs) the only thing that isn't phony is um i don't know if you saw the sequel to top gun that came out a year or whatever ago with in it it's it basically was a documentary for him because he played a jerk in it um (laughs) That stunk. And listen, the uh, the the joy of of fantasy is getting the you know connect with what what's great with what we're doing right now on Zoom and beyond is you know these drafts now. It used to just be, um, you know, Paul Rudd and his pals, you know, gathered in a basement somewhere in shame. What movie was that? <laughs> this is forty. All <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Movie? Yep. Now you know you can have a fantasy league with people at the four corners of uh of uh the continental US or even beyond that and you get to connect with them and kibitz with them for a couple hours and um and uh do your draft while you're doing it. I suggest what you want to have a good fantasy league, you know, you say super flex and all that. I say do auction. That's the best. Oh, we do I mean, auction too. We do auction. We do don't auction. Don't do this snake jive. Right. I mean, that's come on. That, that, <laughs> that's agree. amateur hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you got to you got to do that and uh, dynasty and all that. That's uh, these are the things that make it a little bit juicier. So, would you recommend that Jeff add the rule for his long running league that somebody gets kicked out every year? Is it time for that? It it definitely adds stakes, but mm-hmm. I will tell you this: seems cute. It must and suck. It's very funny. It's very funny when you <laughs> kick somebody out. When you get kicked out, I don't care if you're Dave or if you're the aforementioned Don Draper. It hurts. It hurts. I bet. <laughs> now, very seriously, do you if if so if I was if if I'm in my league and I get kicked out, are you like, are you paying attention to what happens in the league that year, or are you just like 
out of it. You know what I mean? Oh, well, I'm a petulant ass. So no, right, I, okay. I, so, I, yeah, right. I, I just tune out. I, I don't want to know anything more. I to take me off the email, the, the group emails immediately. Like, that, yeah. As I'm out the door, I want to be discontinued from any conversation for the next calendar year. Right. Yeah, I would definitely tell them all the fuck off. I don't of understand how you, how you don't. Of course. <laughs> uh, all right. So it's a different topic here, Dave. You're uh, a native of a state that has legalized sports betting and all the legal online gambling. Uh, I, I happen to live in that state, Pennsylvania. But the state that you live in, California, not so much. Uh, are, are you and others out there optimistic? How frustrating has this been for you? What's what's the mood out there? Well, it's. I mean, I'm glad you're the boots on the ground there. It's courageous to be in Pennsylvania. Has it burned to the ground yet <laughs> since since uh, wagering became legalized there? I mean, like uh, the society in in the Keystone has not been disrupted to the point of uh, of being unrecognizable to those of us who grew up in a gloriously bet free state. I mean, like. <laughs> I don't understand the resistance to it at this point, legitimately, what mm. what the holdup is. And, of course, it's uh, cutting your nose to spite your face. And it doesn't just apply to California. But, of course, there is that next boom upcoming because when you look at the the populous states that still haven't flipped that switch yet. I mean, I, I, I think to answer your question, it's easy to go cynical, but I think. That kind of the there's a light at the end of the tunnel that it feels like a matter of time. I mean, are we really like 10 years from now still in this situation? I don't think so. I think what you see is opportunity that uh, these states will eventually legalize and um, the pockets of the state will will uh, inflate. But so will the opportunity for all of us doing what we're doing right now. So I guess it's a, a good thing. But it, it, the it, it, in the interim here, it's it's hard to make sense of what the argument against is when you see all these other states flourish. It was, was really like somebody said to me that it's a lot like um, legalizing marijuana. Like it was like, it was so taboo 10 or 15 years ago to even say in a public space that you would do something like, but not, you know, it's everybody's free and out there. And with that, I feel like in, uh, on some level, that's where wagering is. You know, it's sort of like, what was the big holdup on that for all this time? We could have we could have been making this money for for a decade here and we shot ourselves in the foot by not doing it. But, uh, you know, I think every state eventually turns the corner. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, any any pushback on that from no, you guys? I, I, no, I think to, to answer your rhetorical question, the world is burning down, but it's not because of sports betting or marijuana legalization. Right. Yes. True. True. There are other there are other issues afoot. Yes. Right. Obama. <laughs> seriously <laughs> uh listen you've done a lot in this industry you've done radio podcasting you've written you've done live tv tape TV. You've, you've really done a lot um what would your advice be for someone who's trying to break into the world of content today i, I honestly i can't figure out if it's easier or harder than it was when we were uh, when we were younger <clears throat> <laughs> Well, it's a paradox because you know that I'm almost as old as George Papard was when he was on the A team. It's it, there's not the, the, those kind of uh, it's horrible. Don't those do kind it. of things. Yeah, don't don't use human measuring sticks. <laughs> you'll wind up you'll wind up bummed out. Do you know that I, as we sit here today, yeah. am older 
than Quint was before Jaws ate him at the wow. end. Wow, that's I mean, and like that's that's about right. as dark. Can't. I know people love the Brimley one, like right. oh, Wilfred, look at him. Yeah. It's like that's more an indictment of what Wilfred Brimley right. was like at forty-eight <laughs> or whatever he was. But like when I see when I see like Quint, you know, there's you know there's the slow burn of you know the victory that. um you know, Jim Leland and Sparky Anderson and Angela Lansbury got, which was that they were prematurely old looking, but then they didn't age a day past that. Look, <laughs> but like when they were like 35, they each looked like they were roughly what, 53 years old, <laughs> and then they didn't change for the next half century. That's, I think, right. what you want, I guess. It's like, it's like you know, a, a, a buying a stock or something like that and, and having it win out. But yeah, I think the paradox is it's never been easier to get in there and being and to say you're getting in there. Yeah, we can all post stuff onto the Internet now. We all and and it's created this weird, dim narcissism that, you know, if you think about like Twitter and stuff like that, I'm, I'm fascinated by the psychology of that. You see people like I can write, you know, George Clooney can can tweet something but then i can tweet something right back at george clooney and and the font isn't any bigger on george <laughs> clooney's uh you know his words than mine and i can say something mean and i can try and emotionally impact people positively or negatively and everybody's opinion is equally valid this is how we wind up with citizen doctoring and citizen journalism in and all the rest of it it's like uh, settle down everybody just because you have the ability to uh have your stuff surfaced uh, in a rudimentary way like that it's there gives people a sense that they're in the space so it's more difficult than ever to stand out though because there are so many people um saturating or oversaturating um every platform whether it's a podcast or uh or the written word or obviously uh, TV and, and, and otherwise. And, you know, I, I wish I had the magic bullet because I'd be shooting it every day if I did uh, from, for, uh, for myself. But, um, you know, what's all I can say is what's modestly worked for me, uh, you know, is one thing that people gloss over all the time, not to sound like an old man shouting that uh, whatever is that a lot of people skip over, the first floor of the building of understanding and knowing and caring about the subject matter. So I, whatever the subject is, if you're going to be a stock analyst, I think you have to know about the stock market. I don't, I don't know what happens there really. Like I know that you buy low and sell high. I know that. <laughs> right. But after that, like when I watched, I, I, I still will periodically everyone I'll see trading places on and I'll watch it. <laughs> and then the end confuses me. Like, what happened with the orange, with, with the orange juice? I don't know. Like, why, why are they yelling and all doing like, I wish I knew. Cause I'm sure this would be a more satisfying conclusion to, to the movie. Um, but I do know about sports and love sports and have for 40 some years. And so I feel entitled to talk about them and I apply that knowledge. But what is difficult to do, I feel like, or is easier said than done, is um, not trying to toe the line and impress your peers. Very often, if you do anything different, it's a little bit like um, an NFL QB. We all want to hear a QB who tells tells us how he feels and he shoots his mouth off and he has a sense of humor 
and all that. But as soon as he does it, you see what the results are. Bulletin board material. Like I, I, I wasn't rooting for Baker Mayfield's success in Cleveland per se, but I liked his way. I liked that he had a chip on his shoulder and he shot his mouth off and he didn't care who listened and chip on its shoulder. Cleveland. I thought that was great. Now, the football side of it wasn't as great, but I did like the way he comported himself. But you see the pushback you get. If you say boo, you're going to get uh, uh, so much negativity. It's sort of that way. I feel like that if you say anything that is a little bit different, you're going to get like, that's not very professional. That's not the way we do things. Like I went to, <laughs> I was in a press box for Super Bowl 45, the first uh, Super Bowl I went to in a professional exercise. Um, and I was in the press box and the Steelers scored a touchdown and I cheered <laughs> and, and I was spoken to. <laughs> like, yeah, shame the devil that I would care about the result. Like, this, that's not how we do things. Like, yeah, but this ain't like, this ain't like uh, uh, global um, military coverage right we're just right. watching the football game i'm allowed to like have a, a rooting interest and also since well, it was a must-win nine... game it was a must-win game <laughs> also <laughs> yeah by the way I'm, I'm not nine so what i hope happens doesn't necessarily equal what i think <laughs> I, I can analyze it objectively while also having a rooting interest as a human being so i mean i guess my point is uh long-winded as it is is um it's easy to say i want to do something different but when you're in there and like physically shoulder to shoulder with people if you're uh surrounding an athlete and you ask a question i love to go to the super bowls in uh uh you know on media night and i love to ask the coaches and the quarterbacks and everybody if this is a must-win game <laughs> the, it's not the players who give you the stink eye right. it's the it's the journalists they're so mm. serious how dare you <laughs> the sanctity of this with your silliness. Yeah, it's a football game, man. Really <laughs> just jagging around with these 25-year-olds. And so, you know, have your fun and don't be dissuaded by curmudgeons who tell you that's not the way we do things. You've got to stand out. You've got to do you've got to figure out your way of, you know, I wouldn't say be a phony, although that works for a lot of people to say things they don't actually believe. I say amuse yourself and or to find an angle that is uh, that is distinct from what you see out there instead of trying to ride someone else's method um, to your own success. I like, I like that. I like that. <laughs> All right. We, we saved the most important topic for last Dave. I referenced the Shecky awards when I introduced you. Can you give us a scoop? Who's currently in the mix for the most coveted of Shecky's the fruit of the year? The granddaddy of them all, fruit of the year. So many hot and heavy contests over the years. We don't have time to go through them all here. Suffice to say, 2023 is another hotly contested year. Now, we haven't even gotten to Labor Day yet. And much as the prestige films are often released in October, <laughs> November, and December, the KG Apple um, group, they they do their best work down the home stretch. And so they always have an inherent edge. Now people will charge Damashek with like, well, see you're, you're leaning into these, these fancy pants apples and what, no, they're doing it smart. It's like, it's like a football team. When, when do you want to be peaking down the stretch? Right. That's what the apple does. Um, and, and I'm speaking for all apples, but specifically 
you know, you've heard me celebrate them. The honey crisp is very good. The gala is very good right now. The kingpin in the Apple community is the envy. It uh, it completed a roughly 26 month stretch. Impossible. Better than DiMaggio's history. <laughs> 26 uninterrupted months of deliciousness from the envy. A new standard for all produce to chase. Um, bottom line, I, I don't want to bum you out. Not a great year for fruit so far, but mm. uh, my, my mind and my palate remain open Good. and, uh, and, and, and we'll see where things shake out here. Red seedless grapes have had a, have had a nice 23, um, frankly disappointed in the white peach, um, watermelon, pretty good, not great, but that's not ruling anybody out right now. My, right. like I say, uh, my mind, my palate, and most importantly, I guess my mouth all open. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, and by the way, speaking of Shecky's, um, can we anoint Fred Raskin, AKA big brother, Fred, AKA the successful Raskin as the official film editor emeritus of the Shecky awards after you named films that he worked on as your movie of the year, two years in a row. Yes. Remind me of the two movies he worked on. So once upon a time in Hollywood, he was lead editor. And then the very next year, you declared Boogie Nights your movie of the year, even though it was 25 years old or something like that. And he was an assistant editor on that at the very start of his career. So he, he gets some quit. sort of lifetime I, you, achievement, get, right? If you guys want to, who wants to take over my crap, you're asking me how to, like, I, I want, I, can I go uh, sit at Fred's knee? That's what <laughs> I want. That's the life I want to have. Oh, man. That's, that's heaven. That's, I told you, he's the successful Raskin. Yes. It, it I, ain't I, me. I may well. It, I I feel like that would cause some uh, some hurt emotions, but Fred is now eligible for a Shecky Award for our favorite uh, for our favorite citizen of the Czech Republic, just wow. by virtue of his deeds. That's I mean like, that's pretty good stuff. Two okay. of my all time favorites. I just watched Boogie Nights the other night. It, that's one of those movies. Do, do we agree that the best stretch in that gem of a movie is uh, when Dirk? becomes a recording artist or attempts to be like <laughs> yeah. he will rock you i love i mean that feel 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 i think we need an extra one like yeah i like that feel my heat i love that i'm trying to get the that's an mp that's a that you ypmp i now you're losing me with all your technical jargon i i, I it's just the best <laughs> Wow. All right. I, I didn't realize that by posing that question, we were going to get some actual Dave Damashek vocalizing on the podcast, but uh, I'm, I'm glad it went there. And uh, don't 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 envy Fred Raskin. You've carved out a fine niche for yourself. And uh, we appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast. Everyone can uh, follow you on Twitter at Damashek. Uh, where else? Uh, do you want to direct anyone, uh, Dave, before we hang up here? Yeah, follow me at Damashek. You mentioned minus three and uh, coming back in, I think, September 1st or or, or roundabout. Uh, Ryan Shazier and I do a podcast every week called Don't Call It a Comeback, all about comebacks, as you would. So we should really actually maybe we should check because we don't call it a comeback. But the show is called that. Maybe it's hmm. confusing. But either way, hmm. grand stuff on the way. Jason Kelsey, Patrick Peterson, a whole bunch of other uh uh, great guests on the way for you starting um uh at the just before the football kicks off the football talk will start with me and Shazia there and in the meantime check out minus three two men, two men. ten thousand dollars will they run it up or blow it all it's time to check in on the gamble on bankroll 
Let's update our betting bankroll. And like Adam Small two weeks ago, uh, last week's guest co-host, Bennett, uh, didn't place any bets that get graded immediately. So we just have three of mine to update. Uh, I nailed a nice plus 450 boxing underdog. Gabriel Maestre stopped Trayvon Marshall in the second round. Uh, I wish I'd made a bigger bet, but still, uh, risk $30, won 135 I lost back 50 of that on Emmanuel Rodriguez to win by KO at plus 240. This was a crazy crazy sweat at the end. He dominated the fight and scored three knockdowns in the final minute of the 12th round, but couldn't quite force the stoppage before the bell rang. So we didn't Mm. win that one. Uh, My only other bet, an NFL preseason winner. I parlayed the Seahawks on the money line with the Ravens on the money line. Both of them eked out wins. The parlay was plus 116. And I only bet 50 bucks. Uh, So it won us 58. That means for the week, we won $143. We were down by 2,823 when you left for vacation, Jeff, and now we're only down by 2,040. Coincidence? No, it's not. I keep telling you, you shouldn't let me bet when it's not football season. (laughs) All right, well, we're getting close. We're getting close to your wheelhouse. It's approaching. Um, We also have $2,400 on hold in futures bets including $800 of MLB futures that might possibly all lose. Uh, Spencer Strider for Cy Young kind of needs to come through for us and save Mm. us. Um, But anyway, all of that leaves us with $5,560 available to bet with this week. And I'm up first. And I'm going to start this week with a season-long NFL parlay bet. Uh, Dave Damashek is correct. Someone has to finish last in each division. And this bet idea started with my conviction that the Patriots just aren't going to be able to keep up in that really tough AFC East. And no, Zeke Elliott doesn't change anything, not for the better anyway. So I was going to bet them to miss the playoffs, but that's minus 325, which is not attractive. Uh, But FanDuel lets you parlay together multiple teams to make or miss the playoffs. So I found three that I feel pretty confident in. The Pats are one. The Washington Commanders, on their own, they're minus 420 to miss the playoffs. Kind of hard to see how they make it in the NFC East with basically a rookie quarterback taking over. And the Raiders, I already bet on them to be the last remaining winless team. They're minus 590 to miss the playoffs. That AFC West is just way too good. So Pats, Commies, and Raiders all to miss the playoffs is minus 113. Let's go $226 to win 200 for a fun season-long three-team sweat. All right, good. I like it. Um, all right. Uh, let's let's just get right to it. Uh, a five team uh, NFL preseason parlay. I missed you, you, Jeff. I missed you. <laughs> Starting tonight, Browns over the Eagles. Uh, then I want uh, the Titans getting two and a half at the Vikings. I want the Cardinals getting seven and a half at home against the Chiefs. I want the Raiders money line over the Rams. I want the Ravens money line over the Commanders. That's plus twenty three fifty three over on FanDuel fifty bucks. It will even it out to twelve twenty five. Um, so here, here I'll give you a quick rationale. Okay. I don't think Sirianni gives a shit about wins and losses in the preseason. No. Okay, so I like the Browns. Okay. We know that Jim Harbaugh does give a shit, so I like the Ravens. Uh, McVeigh doesn't give a shit, so I like the Raiders. All right. Okay. I read somewhere something somewhere about road dogs getting three or less points. So Titans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> your, 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 your logic was, was working on me until that, right. until the, I read something somewhere. I did. And then the cards getting seven and a half points. I mean, there's just any time any team is getting any points like that, you know, a touchdown or more in the preseason. I'm, I'm to me, that's, I, I like that bet. You know what I mean? Right. Cause you know, 
Are the fourth string Cardinals that much worse than the fourth string Chiefs? Who knows? But right. seven and a half is a lot. All right. So that, 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 there's the rationale. All right. This bet is minus a thousand to go four for five. Yeah, I think that's a fair. Yeah, yeah, that's, that sounds about right. <laughs> okay. And I think the the one I'm most the, the the one that I obviously have most conviction is is the Ravens over the Commanders. So this uh-huh. is obviously where the streak ends. <laughs> yeah, that would be rough if the other. That's the one that doesn't. That's hit. the one. But yeah, obviously, you know, I worked that into my two team parlay last week when they were against the Eagles. Who, and I right. agree with you, Sirianni doesn't care uh, about winning these preseason games, and for whatever reason, the Ravens do. And so uh, the streak almost ended, but uh, but not quite. Uh, yeah. So. All right. Um, well, uh, last week, while you were off gallivanting, uh, Bennett placed a week one NFL bet that I liked a lot. He took the Lions plus six and a half points at Kansas City on opening night and at just minus 102 juice. The line hasn't moved. The juice hasn't moved. Bennett, I guess, didn't feel comfortable risking too much of someone else's fake money. Uh, he only bet $50 to win 49 I think he's on the right side of this one. The Chiefs always do just enough to win. The Lions will be fired up and, and not feeling any pressure. They're not expected to win this game. I wouldn't be at all surprised if the Lions hold a small lead and Mahomes has to engineer a winning drive at the very end and they don't cover. Not to mention the Chiefs can lead by 10 or so and the Lions can then give you a backdoor cover. Point is, I agree with Bennett that Lions plus six and a half is the right side. And so I'm just going to add to the bet. Let's add another $103 to make it a total bet of 153 to win 150 Love it. Uh, I'm going back to that parlay that I just made. Uh, give me another parlay. Okay. Ravens giving three points. Raiders giving three and a half points. 50 to win 182. Okay. Uh, I didn't write down what the odds were, but that's what the numbers were. Okay. Uh, good enough for me. Um, I'll finish up with a Thursday MLB bet. The early game today. Mariners at Royals. Mariners so far in the first three games of this four-game series have scored six, ten, and six runs. Today, the Royals start Angel Zerpa, who has a 7.71 ERA. The Mariners' team total is 5.5. Uh, the juice varies, but I found it as low as minus 105 at DraftKings uh, to take the over. So simple and straightforward. Let's bet 105 to win 100. Seattle over 5.5 runs today. Uh, all right. Uh, for my last bet, you're going to need to sharpen your pencil. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, give, me a, give me a minute. Let me do that. Yep. Okay, okay, it's sharpened. Proceed. Paul Goldschmidt uh, is at home tonight against uh, Jose Quintana, a lefty. Goldschmidt, he's a lefty crusher, always has been. In his career against Quintana, he's 11 for 17 with three homers and three doubles. I mean, you know, BVP, you know, I understand is, you know, but come on. This this lines up all all too good. Mm -hmm. So. Uh Uh-oh. A $10 single-game parlay, Goldie to hit two home runs and have three RBIs at FanDuel. That'll win us $715. Plus $705. Wow. The, uh, I'm surprised that or the— plus, not, not, Wait a second. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Stop everything. Uh-huh. No, that, no that's right. It's plus It's plus $7,500. i am i am good. I got it. I'm okay. So at ten, $10 at 75 to 1. No. $10 at—yes, at 75 to 1. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So And so what So what sort it's, of— Surprises me is that the the three RBIs would really add, if he's going to hit two homers plus you know, five thousand to hit two homers and so yeah so the three RBIs that, that's worth taking I mean yeah, yeah. the chances that he's going to hit exactly two solo homers I'm I'm willing to take that risk uh, 
Yeah, that sounds like a good price. I like I'm it. Not, well, I forget I'm, who I did a two homer bet on recently that didn't didn't pan out, but this one sounds a lot smarter than whatever one I did. Yeah, I'm not done. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> but this is a separate bet now uh, that you're about yeah, to throw on top. So that that bet is what it is. Yeah, and there's okay. there's a whole there's, they're all one bet under the Goldschmidt banner. Okay, all right. So ten dollars there. Then okay. another ten bucks just to hit a home run plus four sixty plus four sixty. Okay, okay. That's 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 crazy. That's too high. Okay. Then five bucks hit two homers at plus five thousand. Okay. Then a home run and a Cardinals win at plus seven fifty. We'll do that for ten bucks. Okay. How about goalie just to get two hits at plus one seventy for thirty uh-huh. bucks? Uh huh. Hey, he's plus eight thirty to steal a fucking base. Five bucks. <laughs> what was that one? Plus eight thirty for a stolen plus base. Plus eight thirty for a stolen base for five bucks. Okay. Those three RBIs are plus fourteen hundred. Ten bucks. Uh huh. Well, my, my my fingers are wearing down here. Are you almost done? Yeah, the last one. This okay. one is just a, this is this is one I'm gonna call this one just to cover ourselves. Twenty bucks to hit a double. <laughs> plus three twenty. So if all he gets is a double, we almost, you know, we lose sixteen bucks or something on the whole thing. Okay. But if he so happens a, if he happens to go bucks. homerless and get no more than one hit that is not a double, then we lose a hundred. We lose it all. Okay. Yeah, that, that's I mean, yeah, all that only added up to a hundred. All right. Good. Yeah, it's only a hundred bucks, and All I right. th- and there, there, we got there's there's, big, there's some chance here. I mean, the, listen, uh, if I if I only had to bet one thing here, it would be just the home run at plus four sixty. You know, he's got twenty home runs on the season, yeah. so you know you want to do the math. You know, like that's you know one every you know seven and a half games or whatever, and he's going up against he just kills yeah. lefties and he kills Quintana and he's home and I don't know. Come on. I like it. I know. I mean, I think I think it all makes a lot of sense, and you had some fun with it and. If we lose fake money, we lose fake money. But yeah. I have a good feeling. We're gonna I think we're gonna win big fake money here as he hits two homers and an RBI double and steals a base. We got yeah. we got this. Yeah. Yeah, we got this. Okay. Um, all right. That'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to this week's guest, Dave Damashek. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And before I hand it over to Jeff to take us out, I know what his parting topic's going to be, and I'm going to potentially steal a tiny bit of his thunder with a quick comment on the same topic. Regular listeners have heard Brett Smiley on this podcast many times. He founded our sister site, Sports Handle, some six years ago, built that site from nothing into a tremendously respected site in our space. Brett's last day at Sports Handle and U.S. Bets was this Tuesday. He's moving on to a new gig. And of course, we wish him the best of luck. But this is a huge loss for us. He was a great colleague and remains a great friend. I'm not going to get all mushy and sappy, but there is and will be a void here without Brett, no doubt. Hopefully he'll still show up on the podcast in the interview segment from time to time. I can't say too much, but I know he isn't leaving the industry entirely, so perhaps we'll have him on again soon. But I'll just say Brett built something really special with Sports Handle. He should be extremely proud of that. And I have nothing but admiration and respect for the man, despite him being a Giants fan, which my respecting him anyway tells you everything you need to know about him. Uh, Jeff, over to you. Yeah, listen, I, 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 I've been working in the media business for about a quarter century now, and this spans magazines, newspapers, radio, television, PR, online, you know, all creative endeavors. I've had legitimately 
50 minimum bosses, like no joke, like, you know, direct bosses. Um, and all bosses in all, you know, fields, but really in the creative fields can be broken into two categories. There's those that tilt towards management and there's those that tilt towards their employees, you know. And I've never had a boss tilt more towards his people than Smiley did. Um, he was, to use some baseball parlance, a player's manager, you know, as a result of this. And much like in baseball, our little group here, and I think you'll agree with me, has become and became and always has been more like a gang, more like a family than yeah. just a bunch of people who happen to work together. And that is Smiley's doing 100%. So to Brett Smiley, thanks for that. Good luck in all your future endeavors. And I don't really have to say it because I know you will. But please, gamble on. <laughs>